Bienvenue, Konnichiwa, Ni Hao, Jambo, Morhaba, Hail! It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 252 on Sunday, the 16th of October 2022. I'm Amish Phil. I'm Amish Ben. And I'm Amish Matt. And tonight we've got with us a author, researcher, a cryptid connoisseur, you might say. Denver Michaels, how are we doing, Denver? I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. You're uh, you're on the road, aren't you? Whereabouts are you at the, at the moment in the states? Yeah. Uh, so basically, I uh, I travel the country full time in an RV. Uh, you know, the uh, old lady and I we sold our house a couple of years ago and just uh, hit the road. And right now, I'm I'm about twenty minutes outside of uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Oh well, what a great place to be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What could possibly yeah, be your yeah, motivation uh, for the being there? I went over to <laughs> over to town, and it's uh, it's it's a really cool place. Yeah, don't don't they have um, like a, a McDonald's in the shape of a UFO or something? Yeah, they got a. They, it's the, the whole town is is basically um, you know alien stuff. They really embrace it, which is which is very cool. There's a McDonald's. It's shaped exactly like UFO. Like inside, there's um you know the the kids uh, playground is like UFOs, and um you know there's this giant alien holding up a Dunkin' Donut sign. Uh, you know, just everywhere you look, there's uh, flying saucers, uh, alien stuff. It's it's a really uh, quirky and, and fun place if you're into that sort of thing. And so are you sort of doing some research while you're there investigating and just, just sort of checking it out? Have you been before? Yeah, I, I came here, uh, me and my son came here about, I want to say about three years ago. Um, so I, I more or less uh, right now we're just sort of passing through the area. You know, the wife and I were heading down to um, down to West Texas here. And so this was kind of on the way and you know, we just, uh, you know, decided to stop for a week here. Cool. Yeah, it's Thanks. one of those uh, places. I mean, it's world famous, isn't it? It is. Everyone's heard it. They even made a T-show, TV show about it, didn't they? I think it was called Roswell. <laughs> about um, a, a bunch of high school teenagers who were... Were the aliens? Or had they melded with aliens or something? I can't remember. I, can't, I, I know the show y'all are talking about, but I... Uh... You know, I, I can't really remember it uh, too well. Not one but, that you uh, watched then. Yeah, not really. <laughs> but there's, you know, like here in Roswell, there's a uh, there's a lot of other folklore too that uh, not so much um, alien related. Like I'm uh, I'm staying at this state park. It's called Bottomless Lakes, and um, you know you got these uh, you know there are these uh, the 
like 10 lakes they're they're really just sinkholes um you know filled up with water but uh, there's all these stories about how Billy the kid and his gang used to used to hide out there um supposedly um sort of a, a local legends i guess that uh, back in the 80s there were sightings of these uh, giant turtles they say were like the size of Volkswagens, um, supposedly like a like an octopus man <laughs> was spotted <laughs> in one of these lakes. So you know it's uh, it, it's kind of a if you're into weird stuff, it's just kind of an all around cool place to be. You know, giant turtles, aliens, uh, you know, UFO crashes, a uh, little something for everybody here in Roswell. Kind of reminds me, do you remember when we had Midnight Mike on? Mm -hmm. And he was talking about a potential link between UFO sightings and cryptids. Mm -hmm. And that there seems to be areas of sort of uh, increased activity. And he was sort of uh, speculating that there might be some sort of connection. Have have you uh, looked into that, Denver? Well, that's certainly something that, um, you know, kind of comes up. Uh, Even even with like a lot of Bigfoot sightings, um, a lot of times in areas where there's been a lot of recent um, supposed Bigfoot activity, um, sometimes there's also an uptick in um, UFO sightings or, you know, know, strange lights, um, uh, that sort of thing. You know, a lot of Bigfoot researchers and and people don't really – kind of like to delve into that and uh, and uh, connect it to um, and a lot of people feel like that sort of um, what I want to say it um, it kind of makes them look bad right when they're trying to try, trying to prove that uh, this is a uh, like an undiscovered animal but uh, there's no doubt that there's a lot of other um, high strangeness you know, with Bigfoot and you know, if, if you if you think about uh, like your uh, your Mothman, uh, you know, back in Point Pleasant in the '60s, there were a lot of UFO sightings and and other strange phenomena tied to that. So, yeah, I think in a lot of uh, a lot of these uh, cases, uh, there there could be some sort of connection. I'm not really. Um, not really smart enough to figure <laughs> figure out what it is. <laughs> this is what's kind of confusing about Bigfoot is that there are so many different takes on it. And sort of, you know, personally, I could see the possibility of, of there being some sort of undiscovered hominid with, you know, a small population it's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest and there was just enough of them to keep the population going. And because that landmass is so ginormous and so heavily wooded you think yeah maybe maybe there's a chance that that some species would have gone undetected despite all the you know satellite footage and and trap uh, trail cams and all the rest of it but when we start bringing in sort of interdimensional shape-shifting you know bigfoot it just sort of stretches the um the bounds of plausibility for me well, I think really where you know where where that kind of comes in, and at least where I will sort of at least entertain it. Um, you know, like you're saying, it, it seems plausible. Pacific Northwest, up in um, you know Western Canada, up in these real remote places, you know, that something uh, definitely could be um, you know evading detection. But what you get is you get. Um, you know, people from all walks of life and giving really, um, 
uh, credible testimony of seeing these things in in places you know you really wouldn't expect a bigfoot could um, could be hiding like you know all over the east coast i mean you get these reports from um you know like suburban places you know these you know small parks and things like that and and you know you just have so she got so many reports uh, you know from all over the country all over canada and you've really nowadays i mean you got a lot of people out looking for them you've had the advances in technology with cameras video that sort of thing and still nobody's been able to really you know have that smoking gun evidence so then you know what does that leave you with it um it is is everybody just um you know uh making up their their stories of sightings or is it all just misidentification or you know maybe is there something you know more in the uh metaphysical realm uh coming into play i i don't know the answer but that's that, for me that's sort of why i uh at least leave that door cracked open have you um sort of because i i get the i Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to be the Bigfoot thing seems to be fairly modern phenomena. Have you been able to trace sightings back sort of hundreds of years or to uh, the indigenous population in North America or or is it a modern thing? No, I think the the phenomenon does go back. There are um I'm certainly not an expert in the in the indigenous tales, but it does seem like a great many, put it that way, tribes, um, you know, and, and all over the U.S., uh, East Coast, um, you know, out, out the Rocky Mountain Way, have these, um, you know, tales of these large, hairy, um, hairy beings. And even in some down cases... There. On the screen. Oh, it's nice that you would call me Harry. <laughs> oh, lucky. Uh, but yeah, they, they have uh, a lot of these tales of these... Um, you know these bigfoot like like creatures and and even um you know i in in my own research looking through things you um you go through your old newspapers and and things like that like from the 1800s you know uh, the the term bigfoot uh, wasn't coined till like the uh, 1950s but um they used to call them you know you look in the old uh, newspapers of the 1800s they call them a wild man um you know, hairy, hairy monsters, things like that. And you'd really be surprised how many of those that, um, you know, that, that kind of come up um, really before the Bigfoot uh, craze hit the mainstream. Of course, uh, obviously, with, with the popularity and, and all that, there's a, there's a whole lot more now. But, um, no, it, the, the phenomenon does does go back, um, you know, quite a, quite a long ways. Yeah, well, I mean, I think every culture – I can think of has some sort of tales, whether they be mythological or folk tales about different supernatural beings, for lack of a better word, or, or you know, sort of weird, high strangeness. We were talking before about um, pixies and fairies and uh, the knockers. Yeah, I was going to say we had the uh, we had the knockers in Cornwall, um, which the Cornish tin miners were famous for talking about and when they were down the mines they would hear this rat, this weird knocking sound and they called them the knockers and it was usually a bad omen but they i think they, they sort of had the attitude that they, they were there to help them you know like the knockers were knocking to say like get out the mine 
And then that emigrated to the States and became the Tommyknockers in the Northeast. Okay, wow. But yeah, these things seem to be ubiquitous, don't they? Across culture, across civilization. And it just makes you think there must be something to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, like... uh you know, like in Australia, you know, they've got the, they've, they've got their hairy creatures, um, you know, down in South America, there's, there's reports of, you know, six, seven foot tall ape-like creatures. So, I mean, it is, it is fairly worldwide. It, it seems like it's uh, more popular in the, in the U S and Canada, but, um, that might just be because, um, you know, so the so so many people uh, seem to be interested in it or or out looking for them. Who knows? How did you get into all this, Denver? This is something that always interests me because if you approach the average dude on the street and ask him what he thinks of the Nephilim, they'll probably <laughs> think you're talking about an eighties hair metal band or something, <laughs> won't they? Yeah, I'd never heard of the Nephilim until this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, how did you get into all this? You know, I can't really, uh, I can't really point to any one thing. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, folks in my situation, um, you know, had some sort of experience in their childhood, right? They grew up in a haunted house or had a UFO sighting or, or uh, you know, I talked to a lot of folks that, uh, you know, had a Bigfoot sighting or something like that at a young age. And that sort of um, set them on a path. Um, for me, I've just always... Um, I don't know. I guess I've just always been curious. I, um, I, even, even as a young man in school, I'm, um, you know, I'm the type that kind of, uh, would, would question everything. Um, you know, whether it be history or science that, uh, that the teachers would, would, would tell us, you know, I've, I've never uh, believed that we know as much about our own world as we think we do. And, you know, I've just always been open to, um, the possibilities of, um, you know, creatures that uh, we think are extinct may not be extinct. Um, I've always, uh, you know, uh, believed in the idea of there's, um, uh, you know, strange phenomena that, uh, however it does, it just interacts with our, with our world some way. And, uh, we just, uh, aren't able to really understand it yet. And, um, you know, I've just, um, always been real open-minded about these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So you've had it all your life, basically this sort of curiosity. Yeah. 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 Since, um, yeah. I mean, I, I can remember since, uh, you know, since I was, a like a young man, uh, I, I remember, um, you know, I guess I was like five or six years old and, and, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50. So this, this goes way back, but, uh, I, I remember watching an episode of like, uh, what, what was that show? Super friends. Right. And they had one of these episodes where, uh, all the super friends, um, you know, kind of got uh, tangled up in this parallel universe, right? There was like an evil Superman that was uh, trying to make a volcano erupt while a good Superman was was trying to stop it from erupting. And I don't know, that's uh, like, as, you know, a little five-year-old boy, that just kind of stuck with me. Like, what if there is like this parallel universe or, or other worlds that, you know, sometimes kind of interact with their own i've just always been um intrigued by that sort of thing and you know once you go down one rabbit hole with these things you could be you could be talking uh thinking about parallel universes and then 
you know, next rabbit hole you're into Bigfoot, and then next thing you know, it's the the Nephilim, <laughs> this and that. My it's personal just favorite. Just, <laughs> and then uh, you know, and then you're into yeah, government conspiracies and blah blah blah. <laughs> so I think I had a similar thing with a cartoon when I was young. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the, the cartoon, they sent one of the bad guys one second into the future. And it absolutely blew my mind just thinking about what that would be like. Would it be on his own, like one second in the future? Well, what would it even look like? It, it completely broke me for weeks. But I'm glad <laughs> I've got to forget about it until just now. So thanks very much, Denver. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, that's something that, you know... Um, and I, you know, people, you know, what am I trying to say? Like, like when you're young, you know, just a, a TV show, an episode or something that you watch can really, you know, without you even knowing it really have a, have a huge impact in, in kind of shaping you. Like, like for me, uh, you know, my interest in, uh, in, in lake monsters and things, uh, you know, that really kind of got spurred for me, like in high school, watching a, an unsolved mysteries episode, it just really just kind of, it's like, bam, it's like, I, I just had no idea that, uh, these sightings were so widespread and, and, and all of that. So, you know, it's, it's funny how you can, you know, as, as a, as a little kid or, or, a, or a teenager, uh, you know, watch a show or, or documentary or even a cartoon, and it just kind of sort of sets you on a path, I guess. Makes you wonder how much of a role uh, mass media has played in this sort of explosion of interest, because today we've got YouTube channels, podcasts, we've got all the streaming sites that do sci-fi or, you know, like I said, Tales of the Unexpected, Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, going back, you had, like, uh, The X-Files, um, what was the Twilight Zone before that? And before that, there was radio, there was comic books. Before that, literature. I mean, sci-fi only really started maybe with H.G. Wells, maybe 150 years ago. Whereas, like, if we go back beyond that, it would have been people telling stories around the campfire that sort of ignited curiosity, telling stories about giants or the fairies at the bottom of the garden and whatever. So you only had sort of, you were only sort of exposed to one story a night, maybe. And depending on how good your elder was at telling the story, <laughs> whether you, your interest would be uh, spiked or not. But now we're just, we can, you can, like you said, like a YouTube rabbit hole. I mean, you can just expose yourself to this stuff constantly if you so wish. Yeah, and it's it's really, uh, gosh, just over the last say five ten years, it's it's really exploded. Um, you know, from there, you know, the the internet really, uh, you know, made things take off. But uh, now with the YouTube streaming services, social media, um, you know, social media groups, uh, th- things like that. Um, yeah, you can uh, you can keep yourself busy with that with this stuff. That's that's kind of why, like, uh, I'm actually. Uh, you know, to the dismay of, of some of my social media followers, I, I'm kind of a big sports fan because, you know, I, I got to take a little break once in, a while, <laughs> once in a while from all this stuff, right? You just kind of, you know, it can't be all uh, all Bigfoot, all government conspiracies, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You need to, you know, you need to kind of uh, uh, unplug once in a while. So, yeah, true enough. I was just wondering, uh, Denver, have you got any favorite uh, cryptids that you've, I suppose, researched 
um, you know, the ones that you've found the most interesting, I suppose, for you to go look into? Well, uh, for me, like lake monsters, I've, you know, really always uh, believed that that was um, probably the most likely thing to be able to exist right because there's there's so much so much water um and, and i would like lump you know your your sea creatures and, and stuff in with that because there's just it, it's just so much water so much unexplored um you know areas that uh, we just don't really know what what could be lurking in these places and and, and it, this is uh they're so hard to really capture like any kind of data for folks with these things because it's, you know, it's expensive and there's just so much uh, ground to cover. Like anybody can, can go set up camera traps in the woods, um, you know, hoping to get a, get a Bigfoot video on camera or something like that. But the, um, these water creatures to me just uh, really seem like they, could definitely exist and exist as you know something undiscovered some sort of of flesh and blood animal and it's uh, really always fascinated me um those things as far as um things that i've been able to kind of go out in the field and look for um you know that's that would be your your bigfoot or you know like down in florida the their variation of it what they uh, call the skunk ape um you know i i think that there might be a population of um you know some sort of feral apes especially you know down in florida and um you know things like that have always uh those two things i guess have always kind of captured my interest the most yeah you just got me thinking then about sort of like recent exploration of like the just the ocean floor and you know i think most people thought or most scientists or whatever thought because you know there was no uh, daylight would reach down there that it would be like a desert but actually you know when they actually got down there um especially sort of around sort of hot springs and things like that <coughs> they um you know, they found an abundance of life, basically, where they weren't kind of expecting it. So it kind of points to this thing that we talk about in terms of, um, I suppose, we kind of assume that we know everything and there's still room for surprises, isn't there, essentially? Yeah, and, and um, like, every once in a while, like, on a... Like, you know, some of these science websites like Live Science or, or uh, Science.org, some of those, you'll uh, you'll see a picture that uh, just some bizarre looking um, sea creature that, that yeah. like you're talking about comes from like, you know, like miles down where you wouldn't even think that anything could live. And they're just they are just truly like bizarre looking. Yeah. Um, it's like you know they you know they talk about how they're extremely rare but um you know you don't even know we don't know what we don't know we don't know what's what's down there that it's so far down you you can't really can't really study them and you know and in places uh like the amazon i mean they're i think at one time they were saying like um like maybe like uh either every other day or or 
or two per day. I, I get the number mixed up that they were, you know, finding that many new species. And, you know, usually they were a, a fish or, or, or some sort of insect. But, you know, if you're, if you're uh, routinely finding that many new species, it, you know, kind of makes you wonder what could really be lurking out there. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I, wanna, uh, I just want to take uh, Helen's question off the chat. Um, Helen says, has Denver ever experienced the squonk? It's my favourite cryptid. It's, first of all, is that a real cryptid? I've never heard of it. Or is, or is Helen having us on? A squonk. A squonk. A squonk? Yeah, S-Q-U-O-N-K. Yeah, I've not experienced it. I don't even. <laughs> so, I think maybe, is maybe, up. A, maybe it goes by a different name over here. I don't know. <laughs> so, I I haven't experienced it. Apparently, it lives in the hemlock forests of northern Pennsylvania in the oh. United States. Yeah, it has a Latin one, name: Lacrima corpus dissolvens. Okay, yeah, I've never uh, experienced that, and I've you know I've been up in Pennsylvania a lot, so. Yeah, you learn something new every day. So what, what I'll does it, check that out. What does it do, yeah, Ben? Google it. It looks a bit like a scrotum. Um, <laughs> well, maybe I won't check it out, man. <laughs> yeah, it could do with a bit of a uh, bit of a facelift, I think, with this thing. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what it does. It just uh, hangs out, Pennsylvania. Literally, hangs corpus out. dissolvens sounds like it's a dead creature that either dissolves itself, which is what it kind of looks like, or uh, mm. or maybe it has like acid saliva or something. We could we could look into that. There's that many. Mm. Well, what about snallygasters? Snally casters, I mean, I certainly don't have any experience with those, but uh, not far from, uh, you know, where I used to live um, back in, um, you know, back in the early 1900s over in um, over in Maryland, there um, used to be a lot of the those Snally gaster reports. You know, you pull up uh, newspaper articles from the, uh, especially like, early 1930s uh i want to say like uh maybe maybe in the late 1920s of how there was this um you know kind of like flying reptile uh, creature that was um you know it talked about how people didn't want to come out at night and things yeah. like that and uh it's really um like around frederick county maryland uh, around that area there's um you know to this day it's um sort of a local celebrity um you know there's uh they, they have like a christmas um you know christmas uh festivity there and i remember seeing a a, a snally gaster uh carved out of a you know big block of ice things like that so it's it's had a lasting impact around the the area there yeah there's lots of weird and wonderful ones i remember going on the, that singular 14 website and he'd made like a like an appendix and it was pages and pages, different, you know, different signs of different things, different creatures, mm. weird and wonderful stuff. You, you just wonder where it all comes from, you know. I wonder if, if yeah. ergot poisoning has anything to do with it. Because <laughs> wasn't that something to do with the witch trials? Wasn't that linked to ergot poisoning? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you one. Uh, have you um, done any research or in your books included any stories of black-eyed kids? 
No. And, you know, someone asked me that a, a few years ago and I haven't, and I don't intend to. And, um, I'll tell you why it's cause it's just one of those things. It's just like so freaking creepy that, you know, hopefully it's not true, but just on the chance that it might be true. Right. I just don't want to, um, I just ain't trying to open that door, you know, you know what I mean? Cause, cause if, if these things do exist, uh, I think that they're probably some sort of, uh, demonic, um, activity. I know a lot of paranormal researchers don't like to, you know, bring up demons and things, but, uh, yeah, I think those black eyed kid, uh, things that's, that's gotta be something from like the, the demonic realm. And I just, um, you know, it's one of those deals. They say, if uh, you start looking at them, they'll start looking at you. And I just, uh, I got no interest in that. So <laughs> don't blame you. You do, you yeah, do I, like I, asking the cryptid researchers about the black-eyed children, don't you? I do because the so the stories and the eyewitness accounts are so creepy. Mm, yeah, they're real, you know. Yeah, um, they're, I mean they're they're terrifying. They, yeah. they really are. Yeah. So you know, uh, yeah. I don't blame you. For I, I don't know what to make of them. No, I was looking on your um, your Facebook page. Uh, the other day, and you had loads of pictures of these um, petroglyphs on there from North America. Yeah, this is something you, you're interested in. Uh, what- yeah, big time. That's uh, that's out here on the road. That's uh, that, that's one of my main things I kind of focus on, especially as you know, I'm uh, traveling through the uh, southwestern U.S. Um, any any chance I can get to visit a petroglyph site, I uh, I try to you know try to do it. Because, um, you know, I, I think, uh, these petroglyphs, um, you know, some of the, some of these figures, um, represented on these, uh, you know, in this art, um, I think that kind of, some of that might tie into some of this stuff we're talking about. I mean, some of these, some of these creatures you see, they got, uh, like little antennas on their heads. I've seen, um, Gosh, out in Utah last year, I, I saw these um, these petroglyphs at a ranch, and I mean, it literally looked like like these two um, uh, figures, they, and they were like like thirty feet up. I, I don't even. I mean, I don't like even know how the uh, the guys making the petroglyphs got up there without a scaffold. You know, I don't even know how they got up there. But, you know, they had these figures and it looked like um, they were wearing helmets like with, uh, you know, like a welding helmet lens. It, it looked like almost just I mean, just really bizarre. And I mean, I've seen all just all kinds of these these uh, strange figures, you know, these uh figures with you know these really like big chests but they've got looks like helmets or like antenna or something coming out of their head um you know i've seen uh gosh i've seen these that um also in utah that look like um they look like they're egyptian um figures right and supposedly they were uh, carved um you know 1100 um ce so that shouldn't be according to, um, you know, mainstream logic and, um, uh, just, you just see all sorts of, um, strange things. And, um, yeah, I, I never uh, try to pass up a chance to see one of these sites. So are, are they generally scratched into the rock or are they sort of painted with a pigment onto the rock? Well, it kind of depends on, on the location. Um, 
most of them are are kind are, are either scratched in or or it's like um like a like a series of holes they call it packing where the where they just pack at the rock until the you know uh, another layer kind of shows up but some of the petroglyphs if they're in a place where um you know where the uh, where the artists had access to um you know like a good um you know pigment to kind of like paint them you see that too and and sometimes you see them um intermingled there's um you know, there's a site I was at in, in Utah last year, like like on part of uh, you know one of these uh, one of these arches, one of these uh, natural bridges. You know, uh, on some of the lighter colored rock, there were all these petroglyphs, uh, well pictograms, I guess, painted in in like a real reddish uh, color, and then over like on the other type of rock over on the other side, they were like pecked and, and carved in. So, so you get both, but, uh, I think mostly the, um, you know, the ones that are scratched in, um, I guess probably hold up better over time. Uh, I wonder how they, how they claim to date them if they're scratched in, because how, we can't carbon date rock, can we? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, they're probably a lot older than, than they think they are. And I, you know, I think that they, um, th- this is where I have a lot of you know questions with them myself. And then when you have the, uh, you know, p- there's no one alive today that can tell you what these artists were trying to say. Right. I mean, everybody's essentially guessing, um, even if you're, uh, you know, an, an indigenous person in that area where those uh, petroglyphs are, um, you, you still, you know, you're hundreds, maybe thousands of years removed from, from the people that, uh, you know, that made them. So there's, there's no one alive that can really tell you for sure, uh, you know, what they're, what they're depicting. And, you know, some of the explanations for, um, you know, some of the things you see scratched on is, uh, I don't know it. Uh, I think like this is an alien is more believable than some of the things that the, you know, that the mainstream tries to say that they are. Yeah. I'm sure the mainstream will say we found associated material, organic material, and we've carbon dated that. And because we found the charcoal near the petroglyph, therefore it's 1100 yeah. AD or whatever, but it, I just, if yeah, I was like in one of them tribes and I found this site with all these petroglyphs, well, maybe that's where I'm going to put my camp out that night, you know? Yeah, and, and it's a, it's the same way with you know a lot of your your stone structures and, and things. Um, yeah, they'll they'll find a little piece of wood or, or something like that, but you know that that stone structure could have been there for thousands of years, and and someone new moved in on on top of it or, or this or that. So I, I just don't think that they can uh, reliably, you know, give you any kind of dates for this stuff and. Um, and even what they're what they're trying to say, because um, you know when you have these these bizarre you know these bizarre figures and and especially like I was talking about these uh, these ones that I saw in Utah where it looked like these uh, Egyptian uh, figures and like one of them it looked like he was holding a boomerang right it's like nobody nobody's going to come out and say that uh, yeah that. The, the obvious thing that it looks like, I mean, even, even my wife, she goes, ah, oh, that looks like an, uh, like, like an Egyptian uh, figure. Nobody's going to, 
you know, come out and say that because it kind of turns everything on, on, on its head that, uh, that we're supposed to know. Is Utah anywhere near Ohio? Oh, uh, no, it'd be oh. about, uh, 1500 miles away. Yeah. Pretty good drive. <laughs> uh, I read a book a few years ago from a previous guest and, uh, called from Egypt to Ohio. And uh, he, he was um, showing evidence for Egyptian migration, or rather Israelite migration to yeah. North America in, uh, I think it was after, around about the time of the Babylonian exile, I think, 580 BC, something like that. It was a mad hypothesis or whatever. Um, I just think um, we've got a very uh, restricted view of history and our, our civilization's history, and it's quite limited in how we think um, ancient civilizations, particularly when it comes to navigation, how they got around. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know why. I mean, it, it's it's always puzzled me why, like, they think that, um, you know, Polynesians in canoes can go 2,000 miles to uh, Hawaii, but nobody could have possibly made it to the West Coast or nobody could have possibly, you know, uh, made it to Virginia or, or, or Ohio or, you know, it's like it's like it's it just uh, blows my mind how it's, uh, you know, how they're they're, they're so against uh, any um, possibility of uh, like pre-Columbian contact here in the new world. Have you ever looked into the possibility of the Knights Templar making it to North America pre um, pre Columbus? I mean, I've read some books and, and things on it, but I haven't really. Yeah, that's not really an area that I've um, you know really delved into that much. There's um, people a lot smarter than me have <laughs> written uh, stuff uh, that'd be a lot better than what I could do on that. Just going uh, going back to the petroglyphs. Um, the one sort of recurring figure that interests me particularly is this squatter man and the, and the potential linking of the squatter man to the toroidal discharge in the sky. Is this something you've looked into, Denver? Yeah, I mean, you know, you see those kind of figures everywhere. I'm just, uh, you know, I don't really know quite what to make of them and and but uh yeah you see you, you see those um just all these different sites i mean i just uh, supposedly from um uh, uh you know different uh different cultures as well that you know that that they say uh made these things and um yeah i, I don't really know what uh you know what what they're supposed to mean for sure well, no, because they didn't have. Um, there was no writing associated with them, so we're just we're just left to sort of pick up the pieces, aren't we, and try and interpret them the best we can. But yeah, I just I just and- find it fascinating because I'm not really I'm, I'm not really up to date on Robert Shock's work on the Younger Dryas, the termination of the last Ice Age. I haven't read any of his books on it, but he he proposes um, a coronal mass ejection around twelve thousand years ago that. That ended the the ice age, rather than the younger dress impact. Yeah, theory the crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I was just wondering if, like this this squatter man, is like a cultural memory, like a, a recording of that event that's been sort of passed down through through the ages. 
I mean, I, that's to, to me, that's certainly possible because you, you see that figure I, you, in all these sites. You just see all these recurring figures. You see that figure, you see spirals, you see uh, zigzagging lines, you see um, you see crosses, um, just just all kinds of the uh, the same type of figure. So it's definitely you know, uh, something across cultures, um, you know, some sort of, you know, some sort of memory that, uh, that they're trying to, uh, to tell us. Yeah. Are, are these sites fairly well catalogued? Because I remember when we were talking to Laura, the megalith hunter in Malta, she was finding stuff that didn't seem to be on records or it wasn't well, you know, well known on the, by the authorities and stuff. I mean, do, do we have a, like a pretty good handle of where all these sites are? Or are you finding new stuff that, that sort of no one's seen for however long? I haven't found anything that, uh, that, that I would say is new. Most of the, uh, most of the places I've been to, I've been able to find either, you know, through the Bureau of Land Management, uh, maps, um, things like that. I mean, a lot of them, excuse me a lot of them are in very remote um in very remote areas and so i wouldn't be surprised if there if there were some um you know some of these things that 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 uh that isn't really uh cataloged too well because uh you know you go out uh you know, out in southeastern Utah and you know northern Arizona, places like that. I mean, you can, you know, you can literally be, you know, a hundred miles or or fifty miles from, you know, any kind of uh, civilization to speak of. You know, just these real. You know, you gotta have four-wheel drive vehicles to, you know, with, with high ground clearance to even get to some of these places. So, um, and that's that's actually uh, uh, limited me uh, to to some degree in, in some of the places I wanted to go to. So it wouldn't surprise me if there are a lot of things out there that remain to be seen, but I haven't discovered anything new myself. I mean, we're we're still finding caves in Europe, aren't we? That you know, they they they. People have been in them in modern times. And then there was one, I want to say, maybe about a month ago, and it was only like a, a low ceiling. And they decided to look up at the ceiling and they noticed that there was all these cave paintings all over it. So there must be loads of undiscovered stuff lurking about. Yeah, I mean, there has to be. And, and, and it, you know, in the, in the U.S. here, I mean, it's hard to tell... Um, yeah, out here, out west, what what's not uh, you know, large tracts of public land? There's um, you know, there's just these enormous uh, ranches, and uh, I mean, just people out here have ranches that I mean, you drive for like uh, twenty miles, and yeah, you're B- still, Bill Gates has got a few, uh, I think. <laughs> yeah, he does, and there's there's like all these big cattle ranchers that like out in West Texas and Arizona, and um, you know, so it's hard to tell on you know some of this private property um you know what could be lurking on on some of those places uh you know because they have a lot of the you know the same rock formations and and things on their on their properties that you see out on the public land and so uh you know it's hard to tell especially on on these private tracks uh what could be out there that uh that would be really interesting to uh have a look at Mm. 
Um, Robbie was just asking a little bit earlier what a snipe, or for you to tell us what a snipe was or is. A snipe, if if we're talking about the same thing, well, there is an actual bird in the U.S. It's it's a legitimate thing. It's just like a little bird with with kind of a long beak. But um, but snipe, um, if I'm understanding uh, what what he's asking, um, we used to like like old timers would would always like play a trick on you when you'd go out in the woods or something. They'd say we're going snipe hunting. And basically, it's just kind of, um, you know, they get you running around uh, looking for this supposed snipe, and it's it's just something that really doesn't exist. And you, you just, uh, it's it's just like a joke, kind of like that the uh, old timers would uh, would would play on you, you know, like, like your grandpa would 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 kind of get you, and like, ah, did you have fun snipe hunting, boy? You know, that sort of thing. We've like got a wild goose chase. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A wild goose chase would be a good way to put it there. Yeah, sort of the sort of the same thing. But there is a there is a like a little bird that, that is a snipe, but that's not what the mm. snipe hunting actually is. Imagine if you actually got a little snipe bird and brought it back. <laughs> hey, like, hey, I got him. He'd be like, what? Exactly, yeah. I'm sure there are a few of those stories. I'm thinking back to like uh, scouts. And mm. cubs, yeah. But there's, what were the tricks they used to play? Like go for a long stand, wasn't that one? Left-handed stand, screwdriver, yeah. um, yeah. tartan paint, <laughs> tartan paint. Yeah, the, those kinds of yeah, things. The, le- the left-handed screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen a number of people go down on that trick. <laughs> yeah, uh, the long stand. Yeah, or, or and then the, the best one is if you get sent for the long stand. And this, and you come back, and this, and they, and obviously the person who sort of you're going to ask you for is in on it. Says, "Oh no, we don't have any long stands. We've got any, we've got a short stand though. If you go back, go and ask him if you want a short stand instead." So you know that kind of thing goes on as well, doesn't it? Skyhooks was my favourite. <laughs> Skyhook. Yeah. Go on, go on. You send the lad into the wholesaler and say, "I got to the counter and ask, get us twenty skyhooks." Yeah, that would always get a laugh. Yeah. Oh dear. So you're in Roswell now. Where's the next stop, Denver? Have uh, you even decided? Stop. The world is your oyster. Oh yeah, we we've actually got our next few weeks planned out. Our our next stop, we're uh, we're going to another place in New Mexico that's real close to uh, Carlsbad Caverns, and we're going to um, you know explore Carlsbad Caverns and the uh, Guadalupe Mountains, and then um, from there we'll be going down to. Um, down to uh, the Big Bend area of Texas, uh, right on the Rio Grande, and we'll be down there for a few weeks. Um, really excited about that. That's uh, one of my favorite places in the country. I, I love it down there. Nice. What um, is there any sort of cryptid motivations for going to this particular area, or is it just the landscape, the natural beauty that attracts you? It's really more the uh, it's really more the landscape. It's it's a real unique area of Texas, and um, it's um, it's just one of the most. Um, it's actually one of the most remote areas in the U.S. So um, you just wouldn't believe how bright the stars are at night. I mean, you can actually like see the Milky Way like really good with just 
with just your eyes, you know, you walk out. It's uh, it's one of the largest uh, dark sky communities in in uh, in the U.S. and um, it's just amazing at, at night. And there's um you know there's a lot of cool mountains and 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 things like that to uh, to explore. And um, I'm just really uh, I, I I spent I spent a week there a couple years ago, and it just really wasn't enough time to kind of do all the things that I wanted to do. So um, hopefully we're going to be able to do a little kayaking down the Rio Grande and, uh, you know, just have a lot of fun exploring. Sounds cool to me. Yeah, definitely sounds good. Yeah, sounds amazing. You know, there's um, there's a lot of um, people who will be quite sort of envious of your your way of life, the way you've sort of (laughs) abandoned being settled in one spot and going on what's essentially a, a, just a, an adventure and doing what you want to do and how you know do you find it liberating what you've decided to do uh yeah definitely um I, well so i guess so i guess me and the wife's kind of started making these plans uh, maybe about three years ago um we got uh, our kids were in college and 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 uh, my other daughter's in the air force so you know they're out of the house and we just kind of decided that um you know once we uh got their tuition paid and and you know that they got their own places and their own jobs that, you know, we would just kind of do something that we wanted to do. I mean, I, I was, um, I got to that point in my life where the, you know, the daily grind, the sitting in traffic and, and it just, uh, yeah, just burn out. And I'm mm. sure many of your listeners can relate, you know, just, just burn out and just, um, it's like, I, I, we don't know what we need to do, but we need to do something. And we just really wanted to just kind of, uh, explore, you know, explore the U S. And so we, um, you know, we just said, screw it. We, uh, sold our house, we bought an RV and, and yeah, we, we hit the road and, um, it's been, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of challenges to not having, um, you know, like not having a place to like turn around and go back to, I mean, sometimes it's, uh, you know, you're, you don't really have a safety net out here. Um, you know, you, uh, you run into all sorts of challenges and obstacles and things, but, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. We're having, um, just an amazing experience and, um, you know, so many places in, in the country that, you know, if we weren't pursuing this lifestyle, we would never visit because, um, you know, some little podunk town out in the middle of nowhere, you would never see if, um, you know, if you weren't uh, RVing because there's, there's no airport nearby, there's no real reason to go there. But some of these are like the the best, most incredible, fun, fun places and and fun things that you would have never expected. So it's, uh, it's really been cool. It's like um, I'm guilty as anyone of this. I pretty much live it within the same two square miles my entire life, mm. apart from one week of the year where I go somewhere else for, for a holiday, a vacation. And I think that's the way most of us operate, you know. Mm. It's like a completely different – well, it is. It's a completely different lifestyle. It's it's sort of uh, – it's um, very uh, attractive to me. Yeah, it's uh, – you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um uh, and, um, you know, me and the wife were kind of the same way. We had both lived in Virginia, like our entire lives. I mean, I, you know, as, uh, 
so what i was 40 i'm 49 now so i was 46 47 you know when i when we finally took off so you know you've been in the same area just forever and it's just like it's just so cool to see how um you know, uh, 800 miles away, these, uh, people live so much differently than, than you live. And it's, uh, you know, just, uh, just, uh, different food is that, that they eat and, and different things that they like and, uh, the, the scenery and it's, it's just really, uh, uh an amazing uh, thing. Have you got like a, a goal in particular, like you want to visit every single state or certain things? Have you set goals in that regard? Yeah, we're hoping to we're hoping to have been to every state. Um, we're hoping that that would be about a year from now. That uh, I don't think we're actually going to drive the RV up to Alaska because that is a that's a pretty long haul up there, and that takes a lot of planning and logistics to do that. So we probably just kind of maybe like. Uh, I don't know, like leave the RV for a week in Seattle or, or somewhere around there and like fly up to Alaska and, you know, uh, do some, do some visiting up there. Obviously you can't grab the, the RV to Hawaii, but uh, we've been there already. So, uh, that we've, we've got that state checked off. Yeah. But hopefully, uh, within, within a, about a year or so we, we will have hit all 50 States. Excellent. Mm. What would be, do you have any sort of personal favorite spots that you've found or, or towns where you've thought, you know, maybe we should just stay here and, and you know, buy a house? <laughs> uh, well, so far, I mean, I've found a lot of places I like, but um, nowhere that I really want to settle down at this point, you know, that would you know, some places maybe, uh, maybe put a thumbtack in the map and, you know, if we, if we do want to stop later, but, uh, yeah, I mean, some of my favorite places though, I mean, I really, um, really, really love, um, uh, Southern Utah. And like we were talking earlier, just like all the petroglyphs, the, the, the desert scenery, it, I just really, you know, uh, there's just incredible hiking and, and not only, um, and not only the petroglyphs, but the, you know, in that, that part of Utah, I mean, you could just be out on some, uh, uh, government land and, you know, there's like, there's like dinosaur tracks and stuff in the stone. I mean, it's just really freaking cool place. Yeah. I mean, they just, uh, it's, it's, there's just these, uh, random mesas with, you know, like, uh, dinosaur track ways, things like that. And it's just, uh, just an amazing part of the country. I, I really like it there. And, you know, I like, um, like Arizona really well, West Texas. So, you know, I, I kind of, I've really fell in love with the Southwestern U S go further south and maybe go around um south america looking following cryptid tales and things yeah i would i I would love to uh i would love to um get uh i I, some years ago i I went to peru and i've been just uh kind of dying to go back and just just hadn't really worked out i'd really like to get down to bolivia and, and, and places in peru that i didn't get to go so uh but uh, that's probably down the down the road a ways. Yeah, there's some pretty big petroglyphs in Peru, the Nazca lines. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, there's a in California. There's kind of like a miniature version of those that um, 
that the wife and I visited and, and uh, like very miniature. I mean, you can, you can kind of see them on the ground, but uh, I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. There, uh, it's a little town called Blythe and it's uh, sort of on the Arizona border. Um, just, just out in the middle of the desert, nothing really out there. And there's just these large, it's these large figures carved into the ground. I want to say they're probably, I don't know, um, uh, what 100 150 feet long you know 50 feet wide and yeah you can't really uh, from the ground you can't really see the whole thing you know you can kind of get a get an idea like like of what they are but you you can't really see them and uh, we actually um we actually put our drone up for a little while and, uh, and, and took some videos of them. And I mean, it was just amazing how, how massive these things were. And it just, you know, like makes you wonder, like, I mean, you know, we were there in, um, in February when it was, when the weather was uh, cool and by cool, you know, you're talking like uh, 90 degrees and, you know, it's just really a brutal, hot, inhospitable place. And it, you just wonder why these people, I don't know, didn't have anything better to do than scratch these big figures into the desert. It's, it's, uh, it's mind blowing. We've got a couple of small ones in the UK, haven't we? You've got the Kern, the Kern Abyss Giants in Wiltshire, which is a, yeah. a guy with his lad out on the big side yeah. of a hill. <laughs> we've got a, we got a horse. <laughs> got a horse somewhere. I think I've seen both of those in, in recent times. Yeah. Nowhere near on the scale of, you know, anything. No, yeah, nothing touches <laughs> the scale of Nazca. But, uh, yeah, out here in California, there, there are um, uh, like – and there's there's some other of those um i don't know exactly where they're at um but supposedly at one time at least or like it like around 200 of those the site that i'm talking about i think there's like five that we saw and so like who knows what used to be there and you know might be under a parking lot or, or something now yeah it's like the, it goes back to the mystery again like with nazca no one knows why they're there what was the motivation for doing them? There's there's various competing theories. Mm. There was that German woman who was um, she basically lived on the site mm. in the in the 20th century. She was there for decades, and she was she was like regarded as the queen of Nazca, and she she was like trying to link it to um, archaeoastronomy, and she was trying to link it to constellations and and do that. And then there's other people saying it's for a religious purpose that they would sort of march like a procession down these lines in some sort of religious thing, but it's just complete guesswork. It's a it mystery. Is. We don't know why they did it. Yeah, it, it is. It's complete guesswork. And, and, and to me, the thing that's just so baffling is like, you know, why are you making these huge things that you can only make out from the air? Mm. You know, no, on, on the ground, you can't really tell what they are. You, you have to be up in the air and, and like this site I was talking about in California, there's a, there, there's mountains off in the distance, but there's no, there's no like high vantage points, right. Where you could, could see what these things totally are. So it's like, why, <laughs> what's, what's going on here? It's the, um, did the ancient sort of Incan gods, were they seen as being in, in the heavens, like in the sky, or were they more like the, 
the you know the pagan gods of Europe, where they were just in the in the creatures and and trees and things around us, uh, sort of our level. So the only thing, apart from you know, fucking aliens or whatever, mm-hmm. um, is that they were perhaps trying to communicate with their gods in the sky. But I don't I don't know if they had the same sort of idea as as sort of modern religion does with with God and a and a heaven. Above the firmament, firmament. Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's hard to tell, right? And there's no, and that's the thing, no writing. Like, no, there, there's nobody no, you not. can go ask. No, <laughs> like, no. there's, there's like nobody you can go be like, all right, hey man, what what did you mean by <laughs> this? It's just you know these these things two thousand years old or, or what have you. There's um, it's it's baffling. It's like you got to be. You, you mentioned like the pagan gods. We've got the Greek. We've got the ancient Greek writers. You can read Sophocles. You can read Herodotus. You can get an idea of what the belief systems of the time were. But when it comes to Ameri- the Americas, we've, we're we're running dry on on you know yeah. it's completely up to interpretation because the, just the writing isn't there unless someone in the Amazon is going to stumble across. Like the the American version of the Library of Alexandria, but you know it seems unlikely. Although they do yeah. they do keep finding these things on lidar surveys, don't they? In the Amazon, these huge seas that no no one knew was there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's uh, you know there there could have been you know great civilizations there um you know perhaps wiped out and you know other civilizations rebuilt over it uh you know that's why i say i I just don't think we know you know anything near about our past or even about our our planet you know in the present uh as as we think we do you know i just i just don't buy it yeah well we've just rocked past an hour denver already Mm-hmm. Where does oh, the wow. time go? Time flies. Time flies when you're talking cryptids. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that was brilliant. Um, we'll we'll sign off eh, mm-hmm. for this part. Um, the links are in the show notes, guys. Go and uh, check out Denver's website. It's up on the screen as well. And uh, all your books are available on, on Amazon, aren't they, Denver? Yeah, that's the that's the best place to get them. Just go to Amazon. Yeah, and you're a YouTuber as well. You got a YouTube channel? Yeah, I do have a YouTube channel. I uh, I don't put up as many videos as I should, but uh, sometimes I'll uh, I'll I try to put them up when I can. Uh, sometimes I, uh, I I let it slack a little bit, but uh. <laughs> no worries. Well, it's been a pleasure. We'll sign off for uh, for this part. Uh, stay on the line for us, Denver, while we play ourselves out. Okay. And um, we'll see you guys in 10 or 15 minutes for part two. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's been a pleasure. Nice to meet you, Devin. Ta-ra! Hey, nice to meet you. Bye. All right, then. We're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. Limp dick city. That was our chat with uh, with Denver Michaels, mm. the cryptid connoisseur. That was good fun. It, it was, it, yeah. yeah. We did a lot of, we covered a lot of cryptid ground. And Petroglyph ground. And Petroglyph, yeah. Well, I think these things are kind of related maybe in some sort of way. Like he says. 
Yeah, it's all part of our culture, isn't it? Our, well, I say our culture, our shared culture, our, the human race, our humanity. Human. You know, it's all part of uh, the mystique that makes things interesting. The human mm. milieu. Yeah, these things that we don't have um, good answers for. Why, the, why, why are these signs happening, you know, or why do these petroglyphs uh, exist? What do they mean? Who did them and when? It's like, you know, mm. everyone loves a mystery. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so links will be in the show notes. If you want to check out Denver's books or um, his blog or his YouTube channel or uh, follow him on on the old socials, mm. it'll all be there. Yeah. yeah, I highly recommend you do. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Good, a good sound chap. He was. Comes across as a straight shooting. Yeah. This is how it is. Plus he said podunk. <laughs> it's saying podunk. <laughs> Yes, translate that for me. A podunk town. Yeah, I guess it just means like like what he said, a backwater town. Is that what he said? Like a one horse town. Yeah. A one horse town. Right, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. I've never heard that before. You never podunk. heard of the podunk no. town. Podunk. No. Mm-hmm. Normally, it's not a slam dunk town like Preston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, I mean. If you go down our high street at two o'clock in the morning, you'll just tripping over cryptids, <laughs> <laughs> all sorts of beasts lurking. I know. Two p.m. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is worse in the day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Let's do some headlines. We'll <laughs> see what I've got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. <laughs> Capital letters have big news story. Headlines of the week. Dog walker mortified <laughs> when Spaniel refuses to give up huge sex toy and has to be bribed. It's a bit kinky. Well, for a Sunday. <laughs> Okay, a dog walker has had an experience that she will never forget while out walking a client's dog this week. Claire Robson, 44, was strolling along the River Tyne with... Here we go! <laughs> ..with one-year-old Cocker Spaniel, Frankie. Yours is a uh, Springer, isn't it? No, Cocker. Working it? Cocker. All right, well, life tips here. Right, got it, yeah. I'm listening, I'm all ears. <laughs> yeah, when Frankie disappeared into a hedgerow to sniff around and returned with a raj- rather unusual stick. <laughs> the mum of two initially thought Frankie had found a rubbery pipe, but then she realised it was actually an abandoned black sex toy. and was forced to lure the pooch with treats to drop it. The playful pup paraded it around for 20 minutes and refused to hand it over until Claire put some gloves on and finally pulled it away. I, I know you want to see some pictures. Uh, Maybe I'll just uh, fire up the first one here. Uh, <laughs> see, I think Ooh. that's a Springer. I think it's a Springer. Yeah, it's not a Cocker. It's, it's nothing big. like a Cocker, is it? No, no. Well, um, uh, Claire, who runs Happy Tales and Trails, was forced to walk back to her van with the lifelike item wobbling in its mouth. <laughs> this dog's freaking out. Like, yeah. this looks like um, standoff at the Oak Corral, doesn't it? Yeah, that's one way of putting it. That Labrador's like, 
What are you doing with that, mate? <laughs> Why have you got a bend, it, bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, hilarious snaps showed the delighted pooch posing with the dildo just out of reach of the red-faced Claire. There's another one. Oh, dear. Uh, Claire from Gateshead, Tyne and Weir said, He went into the hedgerow to sniff around and he found it on the bank's side. I thought it was a bit of plastic rubbery pipe he'd found because it was bouncing around a bit. What's going on with the... Oh, there we go. That's the money shot, oh, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, he's so proud. <laughs> now then, I am I detecting a sucker? Yeah, that's a sucker. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Why would oh, it have lovely. a why would it have a I'm I'm naive to these sorts of things. Why would it have a sucker on it? You know. They can affix it to a vertical surface. Or and just, back onto it, I or, imagine. Or just the floor. I've gone too far. You could squat on it, couldn't you, on the floor? Mm. After you about... on the ceiling. <laughs> on the ceiling. Yeah. What a feeling <laughs> when there's dildos on the ceiling. B-side. No? Would that be a stalactite or a stalagmite? Stalactites oh, hold on tight. Tights. And they look like... Well, they don't look like tights. They are stupid. They hold on tight. The 12-inch black nobbler. Mm. Yeah, stick it on your window. On your window, yeah. That's awfully clean to have been found in a park. Maybe yeah, the dog sure licked it clean when he found it. Ah, oh, God. Hey, come on. Let's not fetish shit. Dirty. This is not that kind of podcast, no. is it? No, you're right. Yeah. No kink shaming. After yeah. about Spaniels two minutes, I realised it wasn't a bit of rubbery pipe. It was a sex toy which was about 10 inches long and was quite thick as well. <laughs> he wouldn't come near us to start with because he'd found his treasure and he obviously thought it was great. <laughs> he was having none of it. He kept running away. I was like, oh, God. He was very pleased with himself. He had it in his mouth for about 20 minutes. After taking a couple of quick photos to send to Frankie's owner, Claire managed to woo the pooch closer with a treat to get him on the lead but was unable to get the toy off him. He wouldn't release the dildo. I mean, would you want to touch said dildo with your hands? That's the other thing, isn't it? So. Well, mm, they took a five-minute walk back to Claire's van, where another treat and a pair of gloves mm. helped extract it from between Frankie's teeth. Claire said, I couldn't get it off him, so I bribed him with a treat so he'd come near us, and I put him back on the lead. I didn't want to touch it for hygiene reasons, so I walked with him on the lead back to the van and he jumped in his crate as usual. Once I'd taken the lead off, I gave him a treat and he dropped it, so I quickly picked it up, put it in my bag, took it home and gave myself a good scene, do you like? Ooh. Claire said it was in Cocker Spaniel's nature to pick up items and of all the dogs she walks in, of all the dogs she walks, if any were to pick up an unusual item, it would be him. Oh, yeah. it would be him. It would be. Trust him to Frankie. find the giant fucking dildo. I know, I know. What so, a twist. Yeah. Let's move on. What's the second one? Do you want me to do it? <laughs> he just, he's supposed to press something. 
What does this do? She is always right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> when you're drinking, you're supposed to. Is that my Is that my love? I can't poo. What that? Still it was this. massive. <laughs> it was a dildo. That's yeah. the one. Oh. <laughs> oh it's can't, another dog. Can't press that another one. Another dog story. Yeah, another dog story. Okay. Are you ready now? Oh, I'll read it then, shall I? Gosh, you could have read it yourself, you know. It's there on the screen. Yeah, but this is your job. Oh. <laughs> Britain's ba- bravest dog beat burglar, found stolen goods, and saved cats from fire. Ah, oh. Fake news. Is it really? Why would is it, it really? Why would it save the cat? What kind of fucking podcast do you think this is? <laughs> you don't spread fake news on the Armist Inquisition. This is a true story. I've got it written here. Uh, <laughs> there it is. It's written in crayon on his notes. <laughs> a heroic dog has been awarded for his bravery after saving numerous lives and being dubbed as good as a trained police dog. Storm, the 12-year-old Alaskan Malamute, not the mutant X-Man, rescued his owner from a burglary, retrieved the stolen goods from the thieves and freed two pet cats from a house fire. What a guy. He must have freed the cats by accident. <laughs> you Really? You think well, so? Well, but they're mortal enemies, aren't they? Cats and dogs. Let's see a picture of Storm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, look at him. Look at him, the Malamute. Ginormous, I big know, dogs. Yeah. Oh, imagine the hair. Like and she's got a brown like cushion. <laughs> and it's not a leather either. It's just that's like that suede. God, that must be hours of work to keep that hair free. Maybe he does the hoovering as well. Maybe he looks he's a, such a star. He looks like that kind of dog. The courageous canine has won the Blue Cross Medal, oh. beating 650 pet nominees considered heroes by their owners. Support dog. So he's a professional. Professional support dog. Uh, Support dog Storm first came to the rescue when burglars broke into 64-year-old Karen's home in 2019. He chased the thieves from the house, forcing them to drop their stolen stash and alert a passerby who notified the police. Storm was called into action again in May this year when a neighbour contacted Karen, who was out, to say her home was on fire with all her pets trapped inside. The brave pooch saved the lives of two cats by pushing them out of a window as the house filled oh. with smoke. Then he calmly waited by the kitchen door to be rescued himself. Ah! Uh, Storm, Storm was given the prodigious award on the 125th anniversary of the Blue Cross, an animal welfare charity specialising in helping sick, injured and homeless pets. Uh, owner Karen from Waver Tree in Liverpool said, Storm is a hero to me for everything he's done and continues to do. I'm over the moon that he's won the Blue Cross medal. It was amazing news. I never expected he would win. I'm so proud of him. You think that's the end of the story? Uh, no, I assume there's something about Tom at the tank engine, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Storm's day-to-day life is, is not as dramatic, but of vital importance to Karen and her partner, Phil, 69, also retired, <coughs> who suffered two brain injuries and developed epilepsy and vascular dementia. Oh. Before moving into care, Phil relied on storm services to help him with his walking and gently nudge him if he wasn't walking in a straight line. Storm still does this for Karen, who has degenerative, degenerative disc disease, little sensation in her left leg, visual problems and tinnitus. He alert. Tinnitus. 
you say to Nurse. He alerts her to the telephone and the doorbell and helps her cross the road with further support for her fibromyalgia and asthma, sensing if an attack is imminent and providing comfort and support for Karen. He is big and fluffy, isn't Fucking he? Fucking hail storm. Best dog in, in the country, I would say. Mm. What a guy. Yeah. I'd Has probably. he found any dildos, though? <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> Whose are they, though? Karen's. What was her husband called? Phil. Phil. Definitely Phil's. <laughs> my, uh, my dog went for his uh, six-month health check. <laughs> did, you, did you tell the vet how many bars of butter he'd eaten? Honestly. You know, last, he got into the cereal cupboard last week when I was in work. Where is that? Up high? No, it's low. Okay. And he ate an entire bag of granola. <laughs> Ooh, but that was that was some tasty, um, fibrous tits. <laughs> Matt Apocalypse says dog MOT. That is what it was on my calendar. Yeah, Zeus it MOT. Up, it popped up on my phone. Yeah, and uh, the last one was six months ago, and we got told off. Yes, because of his weight. Yes, and so um, six months ago he was uh, fifty-two and a half kilos. Yes. Um, we know about the granola incident. Um, what do you think his weight was this week? Obviously, six months ago again. 52 and a half kilos. Oh. Has he been good? You can't, that would Has give it away, good? wouldn't it? I will, wouldn't it? Yeah. Ah, now, yes. apart from the granola and, you know, finishing the meatball sauce, <laughs> every, eating everything in the house, <laughs> wooden spoons. Pans, um, butter, <coughs> just baking paper. So I think he's put weight on. How much weight did, had he put on? Five kilos? I'm going to go lower. Lower, I think. I think I'm going to go lower and say 48. Wow. wow. So he's lost nearly 10%, 10, pounds. 10% of yeah. his body weight. Yeah, that's what granola does to you. 48. Any advances on 48 kilos for the weight? Can you can you name guess the weight of the dog? I'm going to say 55 kilos. 55 kilos. Yeah. How many sweets in the dog? <laughs> <laughs> um, his weight was 45.6. Wow, he lost seven kilos. Seven kilos Huge. over a stone. In how over long? Over a stone, yeah. In six months. Oh, okay, that's good going. A kilo um, of 69. <laughs> yeah, 69, dude. And uh, the vet said, yeah, we'll just uh, a couple more kilos to go. Could <laughs> be no less. Always a couple more kilos. So, yeah. It's all, it's all, it's all they say, isn't it? The Not vet. Chihuahua, mate. <laughs> <laughs> there is a thing, if you look at his, his back end uh, in the groin region. There is something called, called a, a penis. <laughs> <laughs> There's something called, I think it's called a skin flank. Right. And it's like a webbing between yeah. the back Great leg. Name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That down. <laughs> skin web. Skin flank. Oh, skin flank. <laughs> skin flank and the Nephilim. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the vet was telling me, like, yeah, there's. we're still lacking a bit of definition in the old skin flank. So okay. Another couple of kilos. So yeah, he's done. He's been very good. Good boy. Have you managed to do that? Um, if he eats a bar of butter, he doesn't get any tea. <laughs> we um, it's on like a different food. Okay. 
senior and light. <laughs> is it like 50% ash? He's, he's 21 in dog years. It is on senior food. And we um, dropped the dosage of the food. Right, okay. By 10 to 15% a day. And that's why he eats everything else in there. <laughs> Tore up um, the kids and the missus' dinner bags. Oh, in in the hunt for some. You know, uh, kids don't have lunch boxes these days. You remember we used to have those shitty plastic lunch boxes with two clasps, and it'd be Ghostbusters or He Man or something. Yeah. Usually with a, ma- a matching flask. Matching yeah. flask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas now it seems kids have these uh, fab- not fabric like synthetic fabric yeah. lunch bags. With a, a, a zipper in the bottom that you can put a cool block in to oh, keep your yeah. shit cool. Wow. And, uh, yeah, he tore them to pieces because, obviously, there was, there was a crumb in one of the bags, so he ripped them all to shreds. Wow. Uh, one night last... One day, day last week. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, lacking, lacking, lacking definition in the skin flank. <laughs> I've been lacking definition in my skin flanks for a number of years. I know. Uh, well, haven't we all... But you know, well, time out of times. Old yeah. man. Yeah. Just can't get your cost, can't shift it off the skin flank. Yeah. The webbing. There's no <laughs> there's discernible no, webbing there. There's no definition webbing. to my webbing in my groin. No. Just like, <laughs> I suppose it's sort of the, the ball sack webbing. You know, as, as it's scuffing along the floor. <laughs> You can get, like, anti-chafing gel if you're lacking definition in the old skin flank. <laughs> oh, talking about scrotums. <laughs> what was that, cryptid? <laughs> I failed my uh, post-vasectomy sperm check. Oh, <laughs> no. A cloud, a cloud of dust. <laughs> We're going to have to go deeper. Um, <laughs> still, I'm still live, apparently. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. What, what did they what did they do wrong? Don't know. They just I'm just one of those, you know, fifth percentile guys that um too virile. You can yeah, you can <laughs> cut both of my vas ferrans and I still produce sperm in my semen. <laughs> oh, so I don't know. How, how does it work? Is the idea to stop you making sperm or to stop the sperm going from the bolocks? To the pee-pee hole. <laughs> Basically, there's these tubes that go from your bolocks yeah. up to... The pee-pee. Up to the pee-pee. And, and, it, the and it mixes... Difference. Yeah, and it mixes with your... The semens. Right. So juices. do you have, like, a tube that they don't know about? Maybe I have a third tube. Yeah. And they didn't cut oh, it. God. Maybe it just seeps out into your interstitial fluids. Yeah, and it just gets absorbed into everything. So everything I touch now is covered in semen, in sperm. Sorry, <laughs> no. True story. So I've got to go. I've got to give another two samples. So I've got to go again twice to the the lab at the hospital. Mm. Uh, have a wank into a cup, right? Um, within half an hour and leg it up to the hospital so they can look you're, at it. You're uh, you're talking like that's a problem. <laughs> Well, it is. Sounds like a first world problem. <laughs> it's got. It's, it's like a. It's, it, it takes a while, you know. When the pressure's on, you got you to find the right video. Um, get oh, light God. a candle. Get light some tissues. Candle. Get some lube. light a candle. <laughs> oh, bloody! <laughs> yeah. Well, put some, put some Barry White on. Skin flank. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the exercise will will definitely help you your skin flatten definition. <laughs> it will, won't it? Yeah. Well, you just got to do what you're told at the end of the day. And the C is always right. Mm. The C is always right. The C is always right. So, what are they going to do? Just cut the whole thing out? Get the ice cream scoop? <laughs> don't know yet. And I don't know. It, it, I'm just hoping it was just some dead ones in the first. In the first years. Well, that suddenly became a life in this sample. No, I think... Well, it doesn't really say. The, the letter's quite vague, so it says it was still positive. But when you read about it, it says sometimes there can be dead ones. And it said, I think it said like eight, 20 or 10% of men just go on producing dead semen. <laughs> dead sperm, sorry. In your Do semen. you see this shit? I know. But how does it get to the pee-pee hole? I thought they're supposed know. to cut the pipe. I don't... Well, it doesn't yeah. matter. You're supposed to create so um, What they do is they cut the... They cut the... The vas... The ferns. But, and then... And then cauterize it. So it was super rare. Yeah, super rare. What can happen is that the pipes, even though they cut it and burn it, that the... Uh, they can... Uh, heal back together again so it might be that it's healed oh, back together <laughs> yeah <clears throat> reconnected but it's like scarred over so they don't get through properly and they die right all the dead ones just go in a bit your sperm is like fucking show me what you got i'm getting through there yeah. <laughs> lee on the chat spooky action at a distance <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's what's going on ah oh, jeez Oh my god! So yeah, that's where I am with my testicles and. Fertility. Well, you must be disappointed. Go through all that and it's bloody. Wow! Not worked. No operations guaranteed, is it? No. What about an amputation? <laughs> yeah. Well, they could get the wrong one, I suppose. The wrong, the wrong leg. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no chance of that. Who? Oh, wow, oh, that's that's a disappointment. Yeah. Shall we? Um, do you think the audience is ready for Sprinklegate? Uh, I don't know. I didn't read this story. I don't know if they can handle it. Should we do it? Let's dive into uh, Sprinklegate. I thought we just had Sprinklegate. <laughs> Baker, who used illegal sprinkles, makes his own because British ones are so bad. Right. Yep. A bakery forced to, forced to stop using American sprinkles has created his own version, as British ones are, quote, a disgrace. <laughs> are we like, is he sort of channeling Liz Truss with this? That is a disgrace. disgrace. Small pause. Yeah. Look to the crowd. I've been opening new pork markets. (laughs) Get baked in Leeds. Get baked in Leeds at the centre of Sprinklegate was raided in February last year by trading standards officers in order to stop selling the sweet treats. Is that Mick Jacket? <laughs> no. Get baked in Leeds. And the centre of the Sprinkle Gate was raided in February last year by trading standards officers in order to stop selling the sweet treats. Inspectors busted the bakery after an anonymous tip-off and anonymous. found cakes and cookies with the wrong kind of E-numbers. 
<gasps> what are God. the right kind of E numbers? E one two seven, a red food colouring only permitted for candied cherries, has been linked to hyperactivity and behavioural problems in children. Get out of here. Yeah, E one two seven. It's E one twenty you want to look out for. Is that of cochineal. It yeah. is, yeah. Do you know about cochineal? I do, yeah, yeah. What's Crushed that? beetles. Smashed bugs. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've heard this. Yeah. I've heard, heard the easy one. What's the issue with that? Nothing. Oh, right. Okay. No, you know, just, you'll find it if you if you look at your labels. Yeah, they grow on a, a cactus. Right. And okay. they're, they're harvested off the cactus because they're red and, and smashed to bits and used so you, for food dye. So you can't, so it's natural rather than saying. It's not artificial, yeah. It's, right, okay. Uh, yeah. It's bugs. Yeah, but this is E127. Uh, boss Richard Myers saw the imported sprinkles seized and many of the much-loved pr- much produce pulled from the Headingley bakery shelves. After a run-in with training standards, Richard tried using British-made colours but said they were shit and look dull. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, unquote. Quote, yeah. <laughs> So, the dad of one spent eight months figuring out how to make the US-style sprinkles that are compliant with British law. Enter expensive sprinkles! The confectionery is just as vibrant as the American kind, and Richard even set up a business to sell them. The 33-year-old said, People ask me why I'm so passionate about sprinkles, and it's because, for me, sprinkles are a great source of nostalgia. When I think of the vibrant, multicoloured, fun pellets that we should spring to all our minds when we think of sprinkles, I'm taken back to my childhood. Sprinkles in this country are a fucking disgrace. <laughs> if anything, wow. their pastel nature takes away any vibrancy and celebratory feel to whatever the misfortune of being adorned with them. The funny thing is, Sprinkle Gate evidently ended up being one of the best things that could happen to get baked. Do you want to see a photo of him? Yeah. Do I? <laughs> oh. Ah, yes. Straight up gangster. So yeah, is, right. is he using Why is he wearing numbers? lipstick? <laughs> it's just been eating his sprinkles, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, sprinkles. He's an addict. He's, mm. he's, yeah, he's uh, getting high on his own supply, I think. So does he use the E numbers? <laughs> Or does he? Or is he all natural? Well, deals the numbers. Expensive sprinkles, which cost twelve pounds for a hundred and sixty gram bottle, are being flogged to bakers of all stripes, so everyone can use the colourful decorations. You don't realise how vibrant our sprinkles are until you actually see them next to the standard, morbid as shit British alternative. It's quite the mood shift from this time last year. On Facebook, Richard broke the news about Sprinklegate and the desperate measures he was taking to stay afloat. It is highly unlikely that we will find any legal sprinkles that we will use as a replacement. British sprinkles just aren't the same. They're totally shit and I hate them. I'm extremely passionate about sprinkles. End of quote. Well, he is, isn't he? Sprinklegate. Good on him. I mean, yeah, find your... uh, Find your, your find your niche and um, calling, yeah, and sacrifice yourself yeah. there at the altar of better sprinkles. Mm. That's what we all should wow. do. Yeah, take a leaf out of. Uh, Gar- I want to say Gary. <laughs> What's his name? I don't know. Keith. 
Keith, Keith Sprinkle Keith. Yeah. Take a leaf out of his brew. Out of his boot. Out of his brew of tea. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's probably a, a rich tea biscuit man. Well, I'm glad so much money was spent on that investigation. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. It's a value for value podcast. If you found this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this. Um, we appreciate that supporting us financially isn't an option for a lot of people. But there's good news. There's loads of ways to become a producer. My favourite, as ever, is uh, word of mouth, spreading the message, sending links to people in discords or Facebook groups or heck knows what. How else can you become a producer? Uh, guest suggestions. How would you do that, Ben? Oh, you could uh, contact the podcast <laughs> on the Discord. <laughs> Might you join the Discord? You might. And what would it's happen? It's open to all. Mm. You would be able to communicate directly with two thirds of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, uh, you would get guest suggestions. You would get a hello from me, and uh, Phil would send you a GIF um, saying hello to. A GIF. Yeah, link in the show notes for the Discord if you want to join. Join the community that way, or you can always email us at theonestinquisition at gmail dot com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else can you do in the Discord? Um, you can request a chi. I think we've had a chi request this week. Yeah, I've got it written down here somewhere. Focus chi. Oh yeah, I've got a request from Lee. Lee from the Big Conspire. Um, should we explain what focus chi is? So just go straight to the request. Let's do the request. Okay, uh, Lee. Lee says, um, "I had a dream recently about my crown chakra being blocked. Sounds painful. Maybe some focus chi will help clear it. Hit me with that healing energy." Okay, I stand looking. You two as well at home. Hope you're doing. You better be doing this with us, you know. Nice. Big uh, big convention on uh, in China at the moment. It's the uh, five year. Oh, it's the communist part, thing. The party thing where they all, where they say they're going to take over the world or something. Ah, oh, probably. Who knows? How else can you become a producer? What else can you do in the Discord? Uh, show artwork. You can send us show artwork, and I think we got one of those this week as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's a thread in the Discord for show artwork. I not this up uh, earlier in the week. This is my submission. <laughs> what are you laughing for? What's wrong with it? I was laughing at what Helen said. Oh, Matt needs some chi for his spunk issue. Yeah. I mean, Too late, you'll have to wait till next week now. It's because I keep aiming for the prostate in the men. Yeah, you need to aim for your own for your prostate own. and like, cauterise that shit. It's just backing up. Mm. So here's my here's uh, the squatter man here. Yeah, with his dog. Uh, yeah, and that's the uh, that's the toroidal coronal mass ejection in the sky. Yeah, 
And I've uh, got some pictures of, De- of uh, Denver's books up at the top and mm. some more squatter men down below. That was my submission. And uh, Lee from the Big nice. Inspire set a submission in. I'll reveal it now. Reveal. Here it comes. Look at that. Oh. oh. Yeah. I mean, he went with the theme and then he hammered it, didn't he? <laughs> Dead. Yeah. No competition, is yeah. it? No. I like, uh, I'm thinking like I need to use Lee's uh, artwork for the YouTube thumbnail now and redo that. I really like that. Yeah, it's good. It's I... a great concept. It's good. It's the concept, you know. That's a creative concept. He's taking the usual suspect thing, you know. I'm yeah. Kaiser Solskjaer. No, no, I'm a Snallygaster. <laughs> and look, he's got the heights. I wonder if those heights are accurate. Yeah, it's a scale. Uh, yeah. I would say Bigfoot's eight foot tall. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Mothman yeah. Yeah, is... Yeah, uh, yeah man size, six foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not all men are six foot. No. And that's fine. Not in Victorian times. That's just normal for men. I think you're the same height as Napoleon, you know. <laughs> What? That wasn't a joke. I'm being serious. How tall do you think I am? Five nine. <laughs> Give me the other inch. Oh right. Okay. Five eight. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually five foot ten and three quarters. Whoa! Oh, nonsense. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> Napoleon was not five foot nine. Uh, historically was, tiny man, Napoleon. I think he was five eight. He was uh, notably tall for the time period, Napoleon. Oh right, okay. the little man syndrome. That's what we call propaganda. Okay, because <laughs> we live in England, so he was portrayed as the small man. Huh? He was unusually tall for his time period. But again, you know, propaganda works, doesn't it? You know, we all think he was a small man, but yeah, he wasn't. He was I big. Did. I did. He's a big dude. Right. You know. Um. Artwork, yeah, we did the artwork. What else can you do in the uh, Discord? Anything? Nothing? Uh, guest requests, those are always useful. <laughs> We've done them, haven't we? No, we didn't say guest yeah. requests. Guest suggestions. Like guest requests. Guest requests. Um, Jingle can, requests. Can... Birthday shout-outs. Oh, hell's bells. Birthdays, yes. Got some of those, too. We've got some. I did have a list. Um, isn't it your birthday next week? It's mine. Matt. It's my birthday. What date? What day is it? What day? What day is your birthday? The 19th. And how old will you be? 21. Again? Mm -hmm. Uh, 40. Happy birthday, Hugh Jamus. Happy birthday for Wednesday. Thanks. Does that mean you're not going to be doing games night? Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. No, you didn't, did you? (laughs) No. I think I said I might go out for a meal. Might go down to the local... uh, What's it called? Italian? Aberna. Yeah. Italian down the road. All right. Yeah. Is it good? It's okay. Yeah. It's food. Okay. Um, yeah. That's it. It's also uh, Lee's birthday. Lee from the Big Conspire. How old T60? Is it? <laughs> you actually believed it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is Lee's birthday. I haven't got what day it is, though. So I don't know when it is, but it is next week. I think week. it's the... Is it Tuesday? Tuesday? Let's go with that. Mm. Tuesday, yeah. I Happy think it might be 18. Happy birthday for Tuesday, Lee. Happy birthday, Hugh Janus. Nice. Mm. Right, so uh, is Umberto still open? What's happening with Umberto? Umberto sold it. 
and a late oh it's the day after um uh then a, a woman bought it um she, it closed because of the price of oil apparently is what was in the paper cooking oil yeah <laughs> seriously yeah. <laughs> Um, and then wow. I think it's been, it sounds like it's been sold again or someone's t- taken over and running it. As a chippy? Yeah. Okay. I don't think you could do, well, I suppose you could knock it all through, but it's quite thin. Umberto's is famous yeah. in, in our parts, in our city, because... Um, he never closed. We never close. He opened Christmas Day. <laughs> if you want uh, meat pie chips and gravy, Christmas Day, we are here to serve you. He looked a little bit like your dad as well, I thought. A little bit. Yeah, it was sort of Roman. Like a... Romanesque. Yeah, a Roman sort of... Roman, Irish kind of vibe. Yeah, I'd go with that. I think, was he from... Le... Le... Livorno? Leggio. I don't know. Again with an L. Lazio? Go Lazio! I don't know. I can't remember. Calabria? Just going to start saying areas of Italy to me. Uh, I don't know. No, I so can't remember. He has, he has a picture in the. Well, he had a picture in the chippy. I've not been for donkey's years. It's not low. It's hard. It's the it same thing. You can't park. It's hard you work can, parking. You can park on the vets. Oh, right. There's permission, apparently. And the Italian that you're, if you go to the Italian, you can park on the vets. Yeah. It is rubbish for, for parking around there. It's just yeah. the main road. Is there any more housekeeping today? Oh, uh, merch. Link yeah. in the show notes yeah. if you want to support us by uh, buying some merchandise. Merchandising. We have uh, various things available. You can get yourself a bacon nuts T-shirt if you're a Francis bacon nut. Or even a mug. Mm. Or even... Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I just have those two. <laughs> I thought I had the glass there as well. No. But, yeah, I've got literally oh, yeah. communist hoodies. Matt, you're modelling the... Uh, Literally a communist hoodie. Yeah, wear it all the time because it's yeah, so comfy. With Lenin on the current grape T-shirt. There they are, I literally wear- communist. Because I'm literally a communist. I wear it too. They look at me funny in the shop when I go for my beer and a can of pop. Do you, do, they, do you think that they think you're a communist? Yeah, I don't think... I don't. Uh, I think we need to redo this one and then put underneath, in brackets, it's ironic... Uh, no. Oh, what kind of pussy that's would wear my, that? That's me. You've got to own that shit. Yeah. yeah. What else are you going to wear to the Chinese CCP Congress <laughs> this week? <laughs> um, any other? I don't think. No, no reviews this week. You can smack. Yeah, you can smash the like button. Remember and subscribe on YouTube smash and all the of the like. video uh, platforms. Uh, leave us a review and tell us about it because sometimes it, we don't find out about them and that makes us sad. Yeah, and just leave just the simplest things like leaving a comment mm. or if you've nothing to say, leave an emoji. Yeah, it's all um, good for the algo. Yeah, they they recognise this sort of engagement and that sort mm. of uh, helps mm-hmm. to spread the word. Mm-hmm. It's all about getting, you know, trying to grow the audience so that we can do more. Yeah. And... Uh, People can take a, a day off work. It's not about that. Like if um, it is, it's so you can do more and make it better for everyone. Right. Yeah. So, because you know, I feel that you should really be pulling your weight by now. Yeah. True. 
Uh, there's only so much, so many man hours in a day. Exactly. <laughs> Is there anything else? Have we done all the housekeeping already? You could, um, like, eject some currency in our general direction. Uh-huh. Is there, a, like, a snappier way of saying that? A colloquialism. Mm. <laughs> toss us a coin, is that what you mean? Yeah. Toss a coin to your witcher. Toss us a coin. To the lads. 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 You know, because oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. If you go to thearmistinquisition.com, you'll find a PayPal donate button there. And um, you can give us a one-off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation. If you're feeling flush and you want to give us a, a donation of $50, dues, $50, £50 or above, you'll get um, the rank, the status, the cachet of being an, an executive producer for the uh, for that episode, which looks great on your on your LinkedIn, your curriculum vitae. These credits are real and we will back you up. This yeah. isn't a joke. You can put it on your CV that you're a podcast producer mm. and uh, we'll vouch for you. Exactly, yeah. Put it on your IMDB. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or your Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, damn right. Mm. Only you fuckers out there can save Plotland. And get a fresh rating. Yeah. Right, let's thank them. It's, uh, let's thank the producers for episode 252. We have Helen of Troy, uh, Lee from the Big Conspire, and Slicko. Thank you. You're so amazing. They are, yeah, so amazing in their love. Literally. The best mate. You are extremely cool, guys. The dwarf. The current. The grape. The homophobe. The wind. The asthma. The crop-up. The number 11. The blind man. The fallen on the horizon. The cripple and the mother. Money bickering. From hell. I don't get it, never will. I got hairy cunts. I'm literally a... Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> and Corn Pop was a bad dude. Well, the thing is, what you do, you call between the devil and the rock at a half place. Fucking <laughs> vegan. Uh, I think you're hitting, hitting the point, Phil, that, uh... <laughs> and it really bothers me... <laughs> Yeah, I, should, we get I him, hope, should we get him back up? I hope Andy is still about. He was uh, a good guy. We were talking uh, about some pretty controversial stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, I love it when we go on to abortion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. We should check in on Andy. I've not heard from him for at least two years. Yeah. Maybe he'll disown his disowners. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. I was pretty glad to hear him say something on the lines that he was he was down with uh, not forcing women to have babies that they didn't want. So you know, oh, well, that's always good to hear. Yeah, this is a very bad. We're not. Ta- I know we're not talking about it. I don't no. want to talk about it again. Stop it then. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, We've got dear. a request for a quasi quatang as next week's guest in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
not doing anything now, so yeah. Yeah, he didn't last long, did he? 36 days or something, 38 days. Something like that. Apparently the first black chancellor. Really? Right. Yeah, really. Mm. We've not had a black prime minister, have we? And chancellor would be second in command in the political scheme of things. Yeah, apparently he was the first black chancellor. Right. Um, was Javid Chancellor for a brief period? He was for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Are there yeah. different different groups. You know, we can't can't count black people and Asian people in the same bag. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it's different. So Harvey was Chancellor as well for five minutes? He was for a day. Chancellor for a day. Nadim <laughs> Zahawi. Founder of the ONS. Wow. Yeah. Mm. The Office for National Statistics. Yes. I've heard alternative uh, <laughs> words for that acronym, yeah. But yes. Well, go yes. there. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, been a weird week. Do you think she's going to... I don't really want to talk about politics, but you brought it up, Ben. Do you think she's going to go? Is she gonna be, how long has, has Trust got? A week? Two weeks? It can't be long. She's you think she's going to go? They're going to boot her out? Yeah, yeah. Who else is left? <laughs> They're all right. There's no one left. <laughs> Build back better. Build He's back coming back. back. Oh Bojo's coming yeah. back. <laughs> that would be hilarious, wouldn't it, if they brought him back? Bouncing back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's chaos at the moment. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Very weird. I got, a, I got a call out this week. Oh. I'm an electrician by day. By trade. Superhero by night, but electrician by day. And I got a call out to uh, a guy rung us up. And I didn't answer it because I think it was dinner time or I was driving or something. So I picked my messages up at the end of the day and uh, he rung me and said, uh, I'm at my mother's house and all the power's gone off mm. and she's 92. Mm-hmm. Can you read me back? So I rang him back mm-hmm. at tea time. Said, it's all right, mate, don't worry about it. I've, I've, I've sorted it. It was the kettle. Right. I, I narrowed it down. When I pulled the kettle in, all the power went off. So uh, I said, no, no problem, no problem. Just, you know, save me number, whatever. If uh, if anything happens again, give us a bell. Okay, no problem. A couple of hours later. Oh, yeah, uh, do you think you could come round? <laughs> Can you come round? It's happening again. Had the nail come out of the fuse? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So he's been round to his mother's and the, all the power's gone. Nothing, no lights, no freezers defrosting. Mm-hmm. It's all gone kaput. Mm. So I said, okay, I'll come round tomorrow dinner time, in my dinner time tomorrow and have a look, see. So I turn up the next day and it's a bungalow mm-hmm. near us in Fullwood. Mm-hmm. And uh, I walk down the drive and it's got over the front door on the side of the house, it's got like one of these little lean-to porch type thing, like a... It's like a little roof jutting out the side of the house and it's fucking swarming with wasps. What? Like hundreds of them. Okay. Like wow. like a cloud like this. And uh, the old lady's uh, son opens the door. Aye, aye, I said, I think you've got a nest up there. <laughs> And he goes, yeah, it's right. I know. I've, I've, it's right. I've been. It's just out here. I've been up in the attic, and uh, there's nothing up there. I said, all right, okay. So uh, 
I goes into the house and uh, it's. Uh, I go to the kitchen. There's like a, a consumer in the kitchen, and it has an ICD which operates all the circuits. So when that trips, you lose all your power. I'm trying to narrow this down, and it's like it's really random, like different different things tripping off when you do different things. It's like something fishy here. Something fishy going on. Maybe it's the actual ICD itself, the main switch because they go faulty. This one is 40 years old. <laughs> it was when it was built in the, in the 80s. Oh. So I get to replacement, find something... Comp- I have to take the old one with me mm-hmm. to find something that is compatible. Puts it back in, knocks all the power on, puts the kettle on, kettle starts brewing. I think, oh, thank fuck for that. We've cured it. Mm-hmm. And just as the kettle's starting to boil, trip, yeah. all the power goes out. I went, oh, for fuck's sake for fuck's sake and uh, the lad the guy who, who's, mother, who's the son of the owner of the house said uh, my mother's been hearing things above her bedroom ceiling ooh uh. it's cryptids yeah oh it's an infestation oh well this is where we, this is where we're coming to you see so mm. I thought Sometimes light bulbs will trip an RCD. If a, if an old filament style light bulb, where you've got like a like this sort of configuration with a little flimsy filament, mm. if it ruptures a certain way, it'll cause a short circuit and trip your RCDs. Maybe a light bulb's gone. So I went round the house taking all light bulbs out. Some of them were LED, some of them were allergen, some of them were complex fluorescent, some of them were old school like filament bulbs, like our mums and dads used to have. Start taking them out. Goes to her bedroom, takes unscrew the light bulb, and I just hear this Ooh. on the ceiling above me. No. So I stopped. Stop. There's something in the house. I stopped and went bang, bang. And it went. <laughs> so you know what happened? You know what's coming, don't you? Squirrels. I gotta fucking go up there. <laughs> yeah. I have to go up there. Find out what it, what it With is. With my hammer. <laughs> yes. I suppose you didn't... What's it called, that thing, that chasing out fucking scotch hammer? Scotch. A scotch hammer, right, is about 10 inches long. It's a wooden stick, 10 inches long. 10 inches long, and it looks like a pick, mm. like an old mining pick. So it's it's ten inches long. It's the shape of a T. It's T shaped, and then on on either end of the of the of the steel part, it has a blade on one end and like a jagged serrated blade on the other. And it's it's a bitch whacker. It's just for mauling stuff. It's a weapon. Mm. So you go up and you're going to Trotsky this fucker, right? <laughs> Basically, slapping her ass. Yeah, I have to uh, because vermin. Squirrels will chew through your wires. Yes. Yeah. And so it became evident that this is the source of the problem. Mm. This squirrel or snallygaster or whatever it is has been chewing through the wires and I've got to, you know, repair the wires, mm. scare it off, kill it, maim it, whatever. <laughs> so gets me gets me lantern out of the van. Gets me uh <laughs> scotch hammer. A bitch whacker. Did you tell them that you'd heard something running around? The yeah, they told me first. Right. They said, my, well, he said my mum's been hearing stuff above her bedroom ceiling. Right, okay. I'm thinking, right, she's 90-something. Yeah. Has she been hearing something? <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, she fucking well has. Yeah. yeah. Something, something big and heavy up there. So, gets me steps, goes up into the loft. Mm. I didn't mention about the wasps in there. Yeah. It's a huge nest in the loft, obviously. Goes into the loft. There is a wasp nest. I shit you not. A metre square. Fucking. Oh. oh my God. It is fucking swarming. In the attic. In the attic. <laughs> They're fucking everywhere. I was like. Just <gasps> inhaled some. <laughs> you, know, you know about this, like, they detect carbon dioxide. You've got to hold mm-hmm. your breath. Yeah. If you come into contact with us, you have to hold your breath. Right. Back straight back down. As soon as I saw the nest, I was like, whoa, I'm getting down and saying, oh, oh, Vernon, look, there is a, the biggest wasp nest I've ever seen in my fucking life up there. I don't give a shit about the squirrels and the vermin anymore. I'm going to get stung. It's going to be like my girl. I'm going to get stung to pieces if I go up there. You've got you to gotta ring someone. And he goes, I went up there the other, the other day and there was nothing. I said, Come with me. Come with me. <laughs> Follow me. And I brought I sh- brought him up there. I pointed the thing out and he was like, what the fuck are we going to do? I was like, how about we take off and nuke it from orbit? <laughs> Don't want anything to do with this. It's not worth the money anymore. And while we're up there, two of them came to, to me. I had my big Makita lantern. I'd smashed one and then stamped on it. Oh, no. I said, well, it's time to go. We need to, <laughs> we need to get out of here. We need to get it's out of here. It's a welcoming quick. party. <laughs> and you smashed him. Yeah, because... <laughs> <laughs> the fuckers don't care. They'll sting you to bits. I've been stung, like, in the last 12 months. I got stung, stung on my wrist in an attic by a dozy. It's the dozy. They're like this, they're like this. Yeah, they're dying now. Floating around, they'll sting fucking out. And I've been done before. I thought I'd put my wrist through a fucking nail like JC. Mm. And it was a a wasp in the the lagging, in the uh, insulation in someone's loft. I said, we need to get out of here. So we went back down, put the fucking water in the hole and said, right, you got to get someone. you got to get the exterminators. Exterminators. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, he rung us yesterday and said, yeah, they came and uh, all the wasps are dead. So Good. you can come back and do your job now. Right, okay. Um, so, well, I want to find out Wish me luck. I mean, the other thing is the vermin might have been eating sort of like the, the wasp larvae. Oh, yeah, could uh, be. And all the dead wasps. Yeah, and uh, the wasps eat the timbers. They chew through Chewy. timber. Yeah. And, and the vermin chew through wires. I mean, it's just a perfect storm. It is, isn't it? It's like that George Clooney film. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Perfect no. storm. But, yeah. I've met. Have you never, yeah, have you ever um, taken down a wasp nest then? No, no. I was told a story this week about someone taking down a wasp nest, Uncle Uncle Nubed style. Oh, right, yeah. This guy who, who had a reputation, he was the uncle, and he was a like a, a big kid. Mm. And his family had a wasp nest in the garage. And uh, this guy, this uncle, basically bare-handed, picked it up, carried it out to the driveway, poured it with petrol, <laughs> petrol and lit it on fire. Classy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. how they used to deal with them back in the day. Uh, like this nest, I mean, you couldn't have picked it up. It was like... 
huge. Zeus. It's like paper. Yeah. The, the actual stuff. We found a big one when we were doing our bedroom. And uh, I dealt with it. With a, Was it a broom handle job? I broom handled it. I made an opening. And then I filled it with this weird wasp-killing foam. Expanding foam? Yeah. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, there's some kind of wasp-killing foam. And it like just melts them all, yeah. It melts the the nest, and uh, they all just die. Very sad. When uh, we we had one a couple of years ago, and what they do is they do it all from outside. They just see the, they find the entry hole, mm. and they just spray the entry hole. And he said that the wasps take right. it back to the nest. Mm-hmm. And they all die. Right, okay. Well, yeah, whatever. Mm. I'm going to have to take some photos when I go back next yeah. week. This it was different colours. Like, you could tell the oldest part of the nest was grey. And it went to yellow. Well, this They've always been coming back here year after year. That was the thing with my... They're quite mine. amazing. Mm. Go on then. Amazing. They're, they're quite amazing, aren't they? To, uh, to, to behold a giant wasp's nest. Mm. They're all geometric, and, and like you say, it's um, you can see different la- layers and colours and whatnot. Ask if you can keep it. <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere near it. <laughs> Maybe it's sacred. The One of the wasps that came up to me was an inch long. They were big boys. Right. Yeah. It makes you wonder how big the queen would be. Yeah. No. Wow. Have you, I've never away from her, you have lived in that mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you not think they're a little bit dozy this time of the year? Is that what you were Absolutely. saying? That's what was worrying me. Mm. I, when it, I was holding my breath, and there was two of these fuckers coming towards me, like this. Mm. Like, I know exactly what's going to happen here. You're going to fucking sting me, you cunt. So I smashed it and then stamped on it. And then bailed. <laughs> quick, quick style. Yeah. yeah, they don't give a fuck. Since your when we had our dog, um, she quite often used to try and uh, would chase flies and wasps yep. and bite them and eat them. Yeah, it's Easter's. Mm. They're just fucking immune, aren't they? No brain, <laughs> like no pain receptors. <laughs> Dogs don't feel pain in the same way as humans. Right. Okay. I don't think. Mm. Not from wasps things. Sometimes they get emotional pain. Like I can't believe how needy our dog is. Did you see that video I put on Instagram? No. Of him crying at me because I wasn't giving him attention. <laughs> oh my god! Are you going to make me fucking pull this up? I mean, can't he... believe I, I, it might even go viral. <laughs> <laughs> Did I put it on Instagram? I thought I put it on Instagram. I mean, if you can actually share your screen, <clears throat> no, it's, it's always getting a million likes. It's probably oh here he is. Yeah. Um. Now then. I have to put the sound up and then I have to go back to OBS so that I, I, you might you want me to share this live, don't you? So I have to tweak some knobs, yeah. enhance, multiply, rotate, and uh, here he is. Here's the Ah, uh, Susie. Have you not seen this? No. He's like screaming. <laughs> For attention. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to stroke him now and he'll stop. Oh, <laughs> well, it gets worse. It's so soft. <laughs> Stand up for it. 
Stretches. Mm. That's why she stopped. Oh dear. Oh. Is that? Oh dear. Oh Puts my arm around him. He gives up. But I will whinge here. Yeah, as long as you stroke him. Mm. He's so neat. I've never known a dog be so needy. For attention, it makes you wonder what happened because he was uh, a year or eighteen months when we got him. Yeah, he came from a multiple dog household, and his older sister had died. Um, was abandoned. His owner had died, mm. and he was with a bull mastiff, an older bull mastiff, and she subsequently died. You just don't know how they've been treated. You see, <coughs> you know, yeah. but so needy and so food orientated. You wonder. Have they been starved of food and attention and stuff? Mm. Who knows? Don't know. Oh, it's all right now, though, so that's all that matters. Well, it's like she said the other night, he's landed on his feet wheels. Fucking yeah. soft touch. <laughs> Christ. Oh. <laughs> oh. No way. Right. Yeah, he's in the you shit. see this shit? Right. Well, you know, he's always right. Sorry, Ben. Are you not entertained? I'm entertained. I've got a... I can smell whore. I can smell whore. Just <laughs> <laughs> picked one at random then, didn't you? Mm. Hurt the Bible, hurt God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss the orange man. <laughs> He'll be back soon. Yeah, do you think? <laughs> what year is it? It's also a whole polluter. I'll call polluters accountable. With the most ambitious environmental justice agenda ever. <laughs> The best one is the uh, it's going around TikTok now about uh, Joe Biden's motivational speech, and it's the one where he goes uh, anyway. End of it. Oh my gosh! Would it be um, his mind's gone blank now? Yeah. That is played where everybody is on the chair. Everybody, has to, you know, uh, going to uh, the. Uh, my mind's going blank now. What, what, I can't remember. Lose track. My mind's going blank now. What the hell's going on here? Where the hell are they? My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. What am I doing here? My mind's going blank now. Where am I? I keep forgetting I'm present. Where am I? No idea. Last night on the television. Uh, uh, television. I was. On the telephone, rapidly rising uh, 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 with, uh, with uh, I don't know. COVID is for more than 100 years. Anyway. <laughs> 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 
That's like Cassette Boy, isn't it? Cassette Boy's yeah. been doing this for years with the UK Prime Ministers and Chancellors yeah. and stuff. So I don't know who yeah. to credit for that. I don't know where it came from, mm. who, who did it the first time. But mm. bravo, more. More of the same, please. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway yeah, it's a great song as well. Mm. Well, it was good. It was catchy. It was, it was funky. It was a jam. Yeah. The got my banger. My <laughs> I've got, um, I've got a clip from Grime America this week. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Grime America, the first half an hour, they do the housekeeping. Yeah. And then they have the guest. Mm-hmm. Different tools. And uh, it's often the most entertaining part of the, the show, Listen to them talk and yeah. go through their, their emails and stuff and um, dealing with listener communiques. And Graham had to deal with a troll <laughs> this week. Is it you? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. No, they had a they had a guest on uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. He was um, he was uh, talking about sovereignty and uh, sort of this sort of man of the land. Uh, I don't want to partake in the government thing, you know. Treat me as a human being, all this stuff. And they caught uh, they caught some shade. What's this? Can we get back to why the kettle was tripping the fuses? I won't be able to sleep unless I know. No, no, we don't know. Tune in, tune in next week. Yeah. I'm going on Tuesday. But <laughs> <laughs> she's still without power for the whole. <laughs> no, but I'm, okay. I disconnected the lighting circuit, and everything was fine. Oh, so right. the, the rodent has chewed through the lighting circuit. So uh, she has the lamps set up in the in throughout the house, plugging lamps and stuff, so she can manage. Uh, you did that to mine one <sighs> once. When you couldn't be bothered going around for a week. <laughs> couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Did I leave her with temporary light, a temporary lighting solution? Is no, you just said just get some fucking lamps and you'll be right, love. Right? Oh. You didn't really. No. no. Uh, I'll let you know on, on next week, Helen, how things pan out. Or join the Discord. Maybe you'll get a sneak peek. Yeah. Of the resolution oh, of the mm. the uh, the cryptid wasp cryptid encounter, <laughs> <laughs> the zombie wasps. Mm. Mm. Yeah, essentially zombies. So um, yeah, Graham and Darren had this guy on who was like, who was, was talking about sovereignty, and um, they had an email. He was particularly um, 
abrasive to this guest and crit- critical of this guest. And uh, I had a similar vibe listening to him. I, I felt, I'm not going to name the guy, but I felt that he wasn't really offering any answers. Right, okay. As to what to do other than go to my website and uh, pay for the membership, you know, at $3 a month, whatever it is. Uh, English guy, English guy as well. Oh, right. But that's beside the point. So, um, yeah, this is um, how Graham deals with uh, such emails. Oh, here, okay, so here's the, here's the good part. That wasn't the good part. They've already been through. I had to cut it down because they spent about a good five minutes. It was a lengthy email describing the problems with this guest. Mm-hmm. This guest is controlled op, controlled opposition. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a government stooge mm-hmm. selling you this make-believe stuff instead of actually giving you practical things that you mm-hmm. can do to improve your, your not surroundings, your mm-hmm. improve your way of life, whatever. It's all fine and dandy to have people on to talk about happy thoughts and ancient aliens, but you have to have Darren on with you if you're talking about rubber meets the road stuff. Like, So this is the listener's email that Graham is reading because mm-hmm. Darren is, is more cynical. He doesn't give the guests as much leeway. Mm-hmm. He will be more probing, more skeptical. Mm-hmm. Sovereignty and law. You just did not push back on his bullshit hard enough. And I'm not rushing to controlled op label easily. He doesn't even need to know he is controlled op to be controlled op. The government loves hippy dippy, make no waves, pseudo sovereign types like Greg. My grade for Greg, A for happy thoughts, F for knowledge, F for courage. Anyways, um, thanks for getting back to me. All the best. My advice is channel your inner asshole more. So I said, fuck my inner asshole. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> Literally. How's that channel? Like that, eh? Literally. That's what she said. I did. Yeah. She said, fuck, you said, fuck my inner asshole. <laughs> well, I thought that was a good pun on channeling my inner asshole, right? Not a great plan. Fuck my inner asshole. Fuck my inner asshole. Wow. He's offered his inner asshole to this troll. That was his reply to the <laughs> troll. Who's taken all this time to write a lengthy critique via email to Grand America. And I thought Graham was such a chill guy. And it was just <laughs> a four-word email reply. Fuck my inner asshole. Mm, fuck it. Spazzing on that ass. Mm. Spazzing on it. Crisis in Plotland. So, I love I love those Canadian weirdos. Me too, don't They're you? great. It's, it's so good. It's good. They, they really nail it with the guests. Mm. They had um, uh, an author, a uh, a lady author this week about the um, Shakespeare authorship question. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, it was really good. Thing is, I don't like pinching. No, yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, it's like their listenership is a hundredfold bigger than ours. What's the point in us poaching, you know, not poaching, taking the same guests as them? Mm. You know, people, yes, they had Apocalypse on. I wonder why. I wonder why, Matt. <laughs> mm. No, that's a good thing. If we get word, like there's one coming up in th- one, two, three weeks, 
who is an exclusive right. for us. Mm. And, you know, if all goes well, I'll be saying to Graham and, and Mark and others like this guy wants to get, you know, deserves a bigger audience than we can provide. Yeah. Maybe that's our job, to be the conduit of greatness. The, the, the stepping stone <laughs> to greatness. <laughs> Ring makers. Hey, I'll be happy with that. I'll be happy with that. You're embarrassing yourself. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. I'm not even a scientist. <laughs> oh. oh, my oh, gosh. gosh. I think it's time to bail, isn't it? I think so. You don't think so? Yeah, I mean, look, an hour yeah. and 13. Unless uh, you've got anything to add <laughs> tonight. Anything you want to just burn in that you want to talk about? Just me. We've covered that mm. in, oh, in gothic. I was going to say gothic detail. That's the wrong term. Yeah, I, I don't know what that is. Gothic detail. <laughs> <laughs> really dark <laughs> <laughs> account. Reinhorn. Putin is thankful. What are you, Ben? Have we covered everything? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've, I've. Not got anything interesting to add, as per usual. <laughs> I think um should remind everybody to praise Javelon and all the Elohim. And Putin. Putin. Yeah. <laughs> and Putin. Putin. Sorry? Putin. <laughs> Any good TV shows? No. <laughs> hey, House, I watched the first House of the Dragon. I thought it was good. There you go, you see. Yeah. I'm going to watch some more. Mm, okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't watch. I don't really remember. I think I've watched some telly. I don't remember it. That's the idea, though, isn't it? Well, you know, I wouldn't know. Stops what the Farage. Stops the uh, good stuff from going in. You're talking about your pipes again? Well, no, I can't stop the good stuff going in in my pipes. That's the issue. That's the problem. What the farage? Calm I'm not down. It made me laugh because I'm not starting it now. What? Well, I was looking into why I would still be firing. Yeah. And it said uh, the vasectomy is uh, yes. a really good choice for uh, contraception because it's a totally painless procedure. Oh, oh, Billy G. Billy G. Jungus never stops. What about you? Why is your Why is your sperm coming out in a Chungus fashion? <laughs> I don't know. Chungus never seems so sus. It's definitely sus. It's got. It's live. So sus, so sus, so sus. You know what? The question everyone has is like, when your sperm come out, mm. do they vent to electrical? <laughs> so sus, so sus. It would help if they did. They might get zapped then. Yeah, mm. so they vented to electrical. Mm. He vents to electrical. Yeah. Oh, send the wasps in. Mm. <laughs> Maybe with a, a snallagaster. Mm. Chaser. <laughs> Well, what are you going to do? Go to the Isle of Cox. Isle of Cox. That's where I live. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I thought you lived it. I thought you lived it. Limp Dick uh, City. Uh, Limp Dick City. Uh, you ruined that one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Christ. Can you see this shit? Do you see this shit? 
Maybe you lived at the foothills of the Himalayas. I was in the foothills. Nice, playing the outro music. You have to twang it. Yes. There we go. Well, hopefully they get it right this time, otherwise your penis might fall off. Your, your penis fell off. <laughs> Thank you, Helen. Get this penis off my arm. <laughs> Helen can see what I'm doing. I would happily take a V for the team. Can you imagine six years of your life with a penis swinging on your arm? <laughs> I want this penis off my arm, please. <laughs> Right, he entertained or what? Yeah, come on, let's go. Okay, let's go. I love right. you. We'll see you next week. Oh, we won't. We'll, yes. You'll hear us next week. Oh, yeah. To be explained. Epic dub. Different. Epic dub. Epic dub. All right, thanks for watching. Thank you for watching. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, oh my god. Thanks, thanks so much. I like what you got. Good job. It's a rite of passage. <laughs> is it banter? Is it banter though? Is it banter though? Maybe the C is always right. The C is always right. Who <laughs> you think you're out of? Dr. Yayanta Bhattacharya. Bhattacharya. <laughs> 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 you don't give a fuck. All right, we'll see you next You're week. embarrassing yourself. Sorry, sorry. Doctor Patachaya. <laughs> That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Fuck my inner asshole.